Oh, welcome back to the Fearless Flyer, folks. This is episode 31. We're going to be talking about aircraft statistics and a few what-if scenarios. I'd like to welcome my co-host. Hello, James. How are you? Very well, thank you. Getting near the end of uni, which is just always good. Ah, that's good to hear. So how many more months left? Three weeks. Three weeks. Excellent. That's good to hear. Hey, so let's get into it then. In the previous episode, we talked about licenses and what is required for a pilot to maintain their license. In this episode, we're going to be having a chat about aircraft accident statistics, and we'll have a look at uh, some scenarios that passengers worry about and how we as pilots react to them. Basically, some what-if scenarios. So for our chat on statistical information, we're going to be looking at uh, commercial aircraft accidents on aircraft of 40 or more seats from 1958 up until 2021. And this is going to cover Western-built commercial jets and also includes cargo aircraft. So firstly, two important definitions or terms that we'd like you to understand with regard to these statistics, a fatal accident and a hull loss. Yeah, so yeah, that's a good point, James. And it is important because a fatal accident is an event in which at least one person is fatally or seriously injured as a result of being in the aircraft or having some sort of contact with the said aircraft. So say a part falling off an aircraft and taking out some unlucky person on the ground, that would be included in these statistics. The other term is a hull loss. This is where an aircraft is destroyed or damaged beyond economic repair. And this statistic is more of a worry for financial people as they have to fight with the insurance companies to have the aircraft replaced. So this one really doesn't really concern us uh, as human beings. So the one that really concerns us as human beings is the fatal accident scenario. So when we define aircraft accidents, there are seven main categories of accident types and these are which cause most accidents. So we're briefly going to list them now and chat about them, and then we're going to discuss the aircraft accident statistics from 1958 up until 2021. So the first category is a runway excursion, and this is simply where an aircraft just goes off the runway. Yes, and that could be, um, that could be due to a number of factors such as poor weather, like a flooded runway. The drainage might uh, be poor coupled with, say, strong crosswinds, so directional control might be lost. An unstabilised approach can also lead to an aircraft going off the runway. Poor reporting of runway conditions by air traffic control can also lead to excursions. A pilot error could also be another factor in the runway excursion. We could mitigate these problems by, say, not landing in rainstorms, being conservative in our landing distance calculations, and we might add a safety factor into those calculations, making sure we have a stabilised approach. In essence, Good pilot training and application of that training can mitigate runway excursions. A good example of pilot training might be as simple as, say, the weather. If the weather is really bad, we should just divert to an alternate airport, get some more fuel, and wait for the storm to pass before trying again. Yeah, and this might be an inconvenience to you, but it's better to arrive alive than arrive in multiple pieces. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The second category then is a loss of control and flight. And this is generally not due to a system failure, but flight crew error. Uh, did you want to uh, explain that? Yeah, uh, so the most infamous of these scenarios, uh, which everyone's probably aware of, were the two crashes by the Boeing 737 MAX. 
aircraft in late 2018 and a second one in early of 2019. Incidentally, the first crash that occurred was climbing out of Jakarta, and that particular aircraft, it, it had a problem on the previous flight from Bali to Jakarta, and this was about the time that I was actually um, landing in Bali by coincidence. So that was, this was the night before. Now, on this previous flight from Bali to Jakarta of this particular aircraft, there was a pilot riding on the jump seat, and he was able to identify the problem and assist with the correct checklist in order to sort the problem out. So although there was a fault with the aircraft system, it was recoverable if the pilot supplied the correct memory item checklist and did so in a timely manner. But there is a, a phenomenon known as uh, startle effects, which can actually limit one's reactions. So training and knowledge can mitigate these types of issues with the aircraft and, and a loss of control in flight. The other infamous incident was the loss of an Airbus over the mid-Atlantic. And once again, system knowledge and, and dare I say, a lack of experience might have been a contributing factor to that there. Luckily, these events are very rare. Well, not likely to happen uh, too often. Uh, yeah. The third category, moving into another category, is controlled flight into terrain. And this is basically flying the aircraft unintentionally into the ground or sea. The fundamental reason for this is the pilots have simply lost their situational awareness. So that is, they think they know exactly where they are, but they are not exactly where they think they are. And uh, thus, when on, mainly on descent, they might simply fly into some part of Mother Earth. The incorporation of the GPS into the aircraft systems with our moving map displays and the enhanced ground proximity warning system as discussed in previous episodes, has significantly reduced the chance of this happening. Yeah, the fourth sort of category is abnormal runway contact. So this could be a really hard landing or a tail strike. Yeah, um, so weather can be a contributing factor to this. Uh, weight turbulence from another aircraft or not being stabilised on the final part of the approach could lead to this occurring. Also, just a simple lack of experience can also increase the chances of a hard landing. So to mitigate this uh, occurrence, most airlines have a minimum experience level for their captains and co-pilots are sometimes even restricted in what weather conditions they can take off and land in until they get more experience. Yeah, and that sort of brings us over to number five, which is similar category, but undershooting or overshooting the runway. That's like landing before the runway starts or landing too far down the runway. Once again, not being stabilized on the approach. Also, weather such as a wind shear event or rapidly changing winds near the runway can contribute to this category. Now, the ground instrumentation reported to the aircraft from air traffic control and following destabilization rules, in essence, is going to mitigate this uh, chance of something occurring in this category nowadays. Yeah, uh, number six, a system or component failure or malfunction. Yeah, this is where the redundancy has been built into modern aircraft systems. So it's a very rare event. Obviously, it occurred a lot earlier on as we were developing the technology to have the advanced type of aircraft we have nowadays. But sometimes multiple failures or one failure can have an impact on another system, which is already downgraded. But like I said, very extremely rare event nowadays. And that brings us on to our last category, uh, which is fire. The engines and cargo holds, as we've discussed in one episode uh, dedicated to this fire, they have uh, very good fire suppression or, or extinguishing. 
And the cabin crew are trained to deal with galley fires and battery fires on electronic devices. It's another very rare event. But having said that, with everyone carrying some form of electronic device nowadays, there's more cases occurring in the passenger cabin of um, batteries overheating, et cetera. But a well-trained cabin crew will deal with this uh, quite adequately. So yeah, there you go. There's seven main categories with each. We just had a little explanation just about what they are and how in the industry we can mitigate them. You'll notice a huge mitigation factor in quite a few of these categories is just being stabilized uh, on the approach. Yeah, there are probably some other categories which you might be thinking of, but they are not included in the statistics and uh, intentional or bad acts such as uh, war conflicts or sabotage. They aren't included in the statistics, but minor issues like um, you know an event where you encounter wildlife when you take off and land or fatigue, uh, those are other issues. Emerging issues, which we just mentioned, like lithium batteries and, and aircraft, uncommanded drones, collisions with those. Those are those are becoming a little bit more prominent nowadays, but they're still not causing aeroplanes to crash. But these are various conditions that the industry has taken into account. That we've just discussed and there's a bit of commentary and what we're doing to mitigate in these different categories so yeah uh, now let's let's move on to looking at the big picture in terms of fatal accidents from 1951 up until 2021 so it wasn't really until about 1961 that the industry reached 1 million flights per year and around then there were eight fatal crashes that year in 1961 by 1973, there was 8 million flights uh, with 18 fatal crashes. And ever since then, there's been a steady decline in the number of fatal accidents, but an exponential increase in the amount of flights. 2019 saw approximately 35 million flights, but only five fatal accidents. Hull losses were a lot more uh, as we look at the statistics, not quite double, but the main point is in the whole loss category, there were many, if not all, the passengers surviving. Probably with a great story to tell at future parties. Yeah. So let's think about these statistics in another way and look at the uh, yearly fatal accident rate per million flights. In 1958, there were 12 fatal flights per million flights. And in 1961, there were 10 fatal accidents per million flights. In 2019, there was 0.04 fatal accidents per million flights. That's just huge, a huge change and in, in increase in safety. Yeah, so just let's just repeat that again. It's gone from in 1958, there were 12 fatal crashes per million flights. And in 2019, there are 0.04 fatal crashes per million flights. It's just a huge, huge decrease uh, yeah. in 50 years or 60 years. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? When you look at the stats, there's been such a huge change in the industry. So what really has changed in the industry to significantly improve this aircraft safety? Well, technology has been a huge factor. And in the earlier days of commercial jet flying, say from 1952, the flight decks of aircraft were full of dials, levers, huge amount of instruments crammed into limited spaces. As a result, the instruments were small and you'd be lucky to have a fully functioning autopilot. And these were now termed the first generation of commercial jet aircraft. And for those of you who are familiar or not familiar with these aircrafts, 
These are the Comet was a British aircraft, the Boeing 707 and the Douglas DC-8 were those three yeah. aircraft. Yeah, that's right. The second generation, that was started around the year 1964 is when these ones came out. And these aircraft you might have heard of, the Boeing 727, the early 737 models, such as the uh, 100 and 200, the DC-10, the Airbus A300, and even the Concorde. And this can be put in this category. Yeah. So the second generation, these aircraft, they had slightly less instruments, still around dials everywhere, but their autopilot was a lot better. And they had a new thing called an auto throttle. And the auto throttle is just like the cruise control in your car. So then we went into the third generation and these came in around 1980. And this is where we entered the age of a thing called the glass cockpit and a flight management computer to more efficiently control the lateral and vertical flight profiles. They also started to incorporate the terrain warning system. And aircraft in this category were aircraft such as more modern 737, uh, 757, 767, MD-80, Airbus A310, and even uh, the 747 can be put in this category. And is this also when aircraft started going down to two pilots in this category? Yes. Yeah, basically, yeah, that's right. Now, so far for all these three groups, the control system from the pilot's controls to the aircraft's control services were via cables, albeit with the help of hydraulics. But this was about to change for the fourth and final generation. So the fourth generation is the fly-by-wire generation. And this occurred around 1988 onwards. Yeah, and these aircraft uh, were sort of pioneered by Airbus with the Airbus A320 family, the A318, A319, A320, A321, later the A330, A340, A380, and now the A350, and on the American side, the Boeing 777 and 787. Yeah, and these aircraft, they had things called flight envelope protection systems and the controls between the pilot and the flight controls, their wires, with computers incorporated into the system instead of cables. So they had all types of protection systems built into the software. So technology through the evolution of aircraft design has significantly reduced some of the accident categories uh, we've previously discussed. Other factors have also had an impact on these reductions are better pilot training, also incorporating crew resource management, which is how humans not only interact with one another, but also with the aircraft. Yeah, and better data monitoring for maintenance has led to less failures of onboard equipment, better background equipment, and this includes new technology such as GPS, weather reporting, and other monitoring devices, and more sophisticated aids to help navigation uh, and support from air traffic control are just uh, a few to, to name there. Yeah, so you can see today a ginormous increase in the safety record of the industry. So let's just talk about a few things that might be sort of worst case scenario playing to your anxiety for getting on a flight and just go through them and ask what you as a pilot think of these scenarios. So firstly, a lot of people obviously are going to be scared of the an engine failing because they don't really know what's going on. It yep. sounds like a big bang or go quiet or what have you. Yeah, engine failure, piece of cake. Engines are very reliable nowadays, and we always have a minimum of two, and we train for the worst case scenario, which is a maximum weight takeoff in foggy conditions, and we 
plan for an engine failure in the simulator at the worst possible time in the takeoff run. If we suffer an engine failure early in the takeoff run, we'll reject the takeoff. And if there's a fire in the engine, I'll, I'll probably let you all have a go on the, on the aircraft slides. Uh, that might bring back some wonderful childhood memories. If I take the engine failure into the air and say there is a fire in it, I will extinguish it and likely plan to land back at the airport I've taken off from. Your main concern should be that the folk waiting for you at the destination airport are going to have to wait a bit longer before you eventually turn up. But the engine failure, when we hear about it in the news, and there was one a while ago, I think, in the US, and the whole cow was destroyed, and it vibrates through the aeroplane, and it's all very sensationalized because it does look quite messy, and the press love all this. But the plane carried on flying, and the guys came back around and they landed, and that's that's what you do. So yeah, it's it probably looks worse than it is, but we take all this into account as a worst case scenario. Yeah, and another one that can be overhyped not by the media but by movies is a depressurization, where there's a ho- comes a hole in the fuselage. So do you want to yeah. say anything about that? Yeah, depressurization is very um, extremely rare. You just put those oxygen masks on and put them on your face first so that you have the ability to help others whilst you're breathing oxygen. And the thing about depressurization, it's probably more of a control problem, like the controller might have gone a little bit crazy and instead of limiting the amount of air coming out of the fuselage, which is causing the pressure, it might have opened up and the pilots have lost control. Early aeroplanes have that. Something like the 777, it has two outflow valves. So if one goes crazy, you can shut it down and just use the other one. So there's redundancy built into it. Extremely rare. Another one people worry about often when flying over large oceans is about what happens if you have to ditch into the ocean. Did you want to discuss? Yeah, ditching so rare. And of course, everyone knows about the Sully one. And so you're going to be near an airport because that was uh, through the bird ingestion. And uh, I think some of them, when they got on the wing, they didn't even get their shoes wet. A ditching for us, it would be fuel starvation, which has happened once. And that was an error. Um, I'm not sure where that error occurred from the report. But uh, we cross-check our fuel burnt as we're flying along to make sure that it's burning correctly. And if it's obviously a high burn or where we've got a hole in, say, a wing and our fuel tank's leaking fuel, we would be aware of that well in advance. It's very rare that it's happened. The guys that had a fuel starvation over the Atlantic, they actually pulled off an amazing landing on the Azores. Uh, They glided the jet in. So yeah, very rare it happens. The only thing I could think of, if we had an uncontained cabin fire and we had to get everyone out of the plane, but that's so rare that I don't think that's ever happened at all. And you look at the amount of aeroplanes that are flying around it, it's never happened. But yeah, if it plays to your anxiety, uh, you've got, I think you've got more chance of winning the lotto about three or four times than ever, ever being involved in something like this. The last one, obviously, the big one that was brought up in previous episodes is turbulence. The last aircraft, well, there's two that suffered a catastrophic structural failure due to turbines. They both happened in the same year, 1966. And that year, there was a Boeing 707 and about six months later, a BAC 111. So these were first generation aircraft many years ago. Those were the last aircraft to suffer a structural failure and turbulence. So much has changed since then from structural design accounting for the worst case scenario and beyond. 
and simple weather avoidance as well. So if you're really, if you're worried about turbulence, go to episode seven of the Fearless Fire podcast here and, and uh, we dedicated that solely to turbulence. Yeah, and that's pretty much all the big sort of questions like, and I think passengers would be worried about, I can think of right now. Yep, that's, uh, that's about that's it, really I think. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the next episode. We're going to be talking about CRM, that's Crew Resource Management. And we will be very fortunate to have a a guest on the podcast in this episode. He's a 380 captain and also a CRM or crew resource management specialist. That should be uh, interesting to listen to. Yeah, so that'll be, it will be good to listen to. And uh, looking forward to having a chat with Dave about that because it's had such a huge impact on the reduction in the amount of accidents that have occurred in the last 20 years. So we'll be having a a chat with Dave about that, and yeah, we'll see what he's got to say. It'll be very informative. Well, I think that's everything on accidents and accident statistics as such. So from me, thank you very much to your ears for listening. Have yourself a nice time wherever you are on our wee planet. And from James. Yeah, I hope that sort of put your mind at ease next time you you board a plane. No, you've got to say (laughs) bye-bye. I said see ya. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 